Yo, what up? Um, this is the first episode of Knowledge Junkies. I'm really excited. We're going to be sitting down with Toya Washington to discuss, can black people be racist? Honestly, I'm really excited for this one, so this one should be dope. I hope you enjoy. Cute intro. So we are recording. Uh, this is I'm uh, so I guess this is officially the first episode of Knowledge Junkies uh, podcast. Um, and I have my first guest, uh, Toya Washington. Yes. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like you working <laughs> on doctor. So I'm I have to start calling you. Do I have to start calling you Doctor Washington? You better not. Yeah, I think I'm gonna change you your name. Not. I'm gonna change your name no. in my phone to Doctor. <laughs> do and I'm gonna do it in all caps. I'm gonna do it in all caps. So when it pops up and I see a text message, I'm just gonna be like Doctor Washington, and then you could just kick over mics and be like Doctor Washington. You stupid. <laughs> it's Toya. Look, Toya for life. <laughs> Toya for life. Unless I'm at work, that's the only time I re- answer the Doctor. Look, Doctor Toya. That's it. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So. All right, so this so in this first episode, right? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna the topic of the episode or the headliner of it is is uh, can black people be racist? And we're gonna we're gonna get into that. We're gonna kind of kind of kind of get into that. But um, I want to open up with like some questions and kind of lighthearted stuff to kind of and it's something that will be a staple in the in the in the podcast. But so for everybody to know, right? So what is your and so some people see the video and they immediately be like, oh, she black, black. But uh, but then <laughs> podcast listeners, they might get confused. They don't know. So what is your ethnicity? That's already a loaded question, Calvin. OK, OK. So, I want I want That's why I ask it. OK, <laughs> right. so I'm going to explain why I say what I say. OK, so personally, I identify as black. And I identify this way because due to history, it's almost impossible to trace our lineage, right? Mm. So some members of my family have done the whole ancestry tracing. So I know that my original roots are in West Africa, more specifically Nigeria, but I don't know much about Nigeria. I've never been to Africa. Um, I do plan to explore that culture, explore things within Nigeria, but I don't know anything. So as for now, I identify as Black because I don't feel like I have enough information to uh, identify as anything else. I don't I don't use the term African-American because to me, the immigrants who came here came for, for um, with their own choice, right? Mm, we were brought here. So am I American? Yes, technically, but it wasn't our choice to migrate here. That wasn't our, our goal, right? Yeah, we're just yeah. here as a result of slavery. So I'm not going to call myself African-American. Okay. Now, if I came from Africa for a better life. Sure. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, we're just yeah. going to stick with black right now. All right, so black, black. All right, all right. I like, I like that answer. I'm, I might start stealing that. I might have to roll with it. I have to roll with that. Okay, so she, she black, 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 black. Uh, all right, so I, I've done a few of these, uh, these cultural intelligence classes and trainings, and something I like that we did as an exercise in the trainings was we asked the people, "What is one thing about your culture or your 
your your people group that you love, like something like you like, man, I love this about my people. And then and then we go. What is one thing about your culture that you you protest? You like I could I could kind of do with that, do without that on that day. So uh, what's the one thing that you you uh, champion or you love about uh, black culture? One thing I love about us, we are creative people. Mm. We are creative. Yes, yes. Our contributions to arts, to literary works, to mathematical advancements, everything invaluable. There would mm. be most arts would not exist in their form today without us. This includes fashion, how we do our hair, our swag, everything about us is yes. amazing to the point where people want to steal it and call it other stuff like they came up with it. Oh, okay, okay. You yes. know what I'm saying? We yes. are creative. I champion that now. On the contrary, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about them box braids, huh? No, it's like <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, I didn't. I didn't say it. I didn't say that. That was you. That's okay. You. Okay. <laughs> now, before I go ahead with my critique, I do want to say, all black people, we are not a monolith, right? So yeah. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying in my personal experience, and I have gotten this and I hear it and it makes me want to cringe. When we use that person ain't black enough. If you do this, you're not black. Yeah, Ka- yeah. Kamala not black. Or you mix, you you black. Yeah. Rock and roll is black. Veganism is black. If you black, you black. Yeah, I'm That's with it. <laughs> that yeah. drives me nuts. So okay. yes. Yes. Okay. No, I get it. Okay. So you, so it's, you hate that, that, that protest of us, that division really. Yes. Yes. yes, that, yes. It's, it's that pitting, pitting blackness against blackness. Like, oh, your black experience or your black cultural experiences, this is what it means to be black kind of thing. Right. Um, right. I know for me, it was like one of the dopest things I got to do is uh, I went to Washington for the um, African-American Museum that's mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C. And something I thought that they did was dope. So at the end of the tour, if you haven't been, I always tell anybody to, to go there. It is like one of those really, really like eye open experiences to kind of be like, man, like I just didn't understand. You get to really, really see the wealth of black culture there. Right. And they did a really good job curating it. But at the end, they have this cafeteria. And what they did in the cafeteria was, is they had all these different places you could go to get food. And it was all from different expressions of Black culture. So you have like this just traditional Southern side, then you got New Orleans, you got all these different flavors. And And I thought that was really dope the way they did it, because it was like, oh, wow, you're getting to see even in just this, that, that there is no, like when it comes to black culture, it is like you said, it's not a monolith. It's very right. nuanced. It's very layered. And so just cause you don't love, uh, uh, uh sweet potatoes that may not, that doesn't necessarily take right. away your black card. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, because where you grew up in that place, in that area, in that time, the black culture did not embrace that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think I think that's a that's a dope thing that, and that's something else that I also uh, that's a good one. I really like that one. That's something I protest myself yeah. when we start pitting and trying to say, "Well, this is black. Like you got to be black." Um, right. Even though I do, uh, I do tease my wife that because she has not seen Boys in the Hood, um, she's not black, and that is something that I, I try to steal her black card for. So Calvin, I, real <laughs> talk, okay. I'm having a confession. I did not see Boys in the Hood until I was in college. Oh, yes, my Lord. Oh, man. David, oh, my, man. my now husband, he was like, listen, we're going to be together. I need you to see Ricky and understand my angst about you the got, situation. You got it. So, 
Yes. Tell tell Dave, man. Tell him thank you. <laughs> tell him thank you. Um, because uh, I'm about to I'm about to be the thing you protest because that is that is that is why. <laughs> oh, no. If you don't know about Ricky, that's a hard line for me. That's a hard line. For me. I know. I got a lot of things. I'm gonna leave. I don't want you to judge me further, so I'm gonna leave it at the at the boys in the hood. But it's a lot of stuff. Okay. Okay. All right. So so uh, the the other thing is so like this the podcast is not you know sometimes we like it's not necessarily about your background and that you're like this professional like we always like you know sometimes you watch podcasts or you get stuff and everybody's like well i'm an expert in this field and and that's good and i think it's dope i think having those conversations as well and so but i also want people to know man that this is uh people everyday people um who are in society who have done research who studied and just um been in these experiences have a wealth of knowledge <laughs> and a wealth of experience man to speak into a lot of issues but but just for the sake of uh uh tell me a little bit about what do you do for a living um mm-hmm. like your your day-to-day grind uh, uh uh what you went to school for some of that stuff like so so yeah. how did toya get to be to where she is like right now Toya is, uh, I wear many hats. (laughs) So I'm an elementary school teacher. So I'm a licensed educator um, of pre-K to third grade students. So I can teach any of those grades. I've taught all those grades. I've been doing that for a fit. This is my 14th year in the classroom, which makes me feel old, especially because I took two years off to raise kids. So that makes me feel old. I got a degree. um, My undergraduate degree is in early child education. And then I got my teaching license there. My master's is in early childhood, focusing on curriculum and instruction. I'm currently a doctoral candidate in higher education, focusing on leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which means basically I teach college courses for teachers who, who adults who want to be teachers. Um, what else do I do? I'm a wife of 10 years. I'm a mom mm-hmm. of three kids nine, eight, and three, soon to be four next week. Happy birthday, Vicki. Um, what else do I do? I've been doing this doctoral journey for a long time. Mm. <laughs> it feels like I've taken so many breaks. So many things have happened during this journey, but still chugging along on that. Um, I'm currently finally in the dissertation phase, which means I finished all of my coursework. I passed my comprehensive exams. Hallelujah. And so my dissertation topic is actually focusing on cross-racial mentoring experiences of faculty members at four-year universities, because we're seeing an increase in the number of um, doctoral degrees and minorities who will need mentoring. And there is a breakdown in the mentoring process due to just understanding cultures. Um especially what's going on with society right now. So if you're a white professor, you've been there for 40 years, you may now be asked to mentor this uh, young professional, 30-year-old black man. You guys are going to have to come to some type of compromise on how to get, and you need to build a real relationship. You know what I mean? Like how to do that. So that's what I'm focusing on. I think I hit everything. Okay. No, 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 <laughs> that's man. That's what I did. That that I ain't gonna lie, man. You know, uh, listening to that that journey, uh, it made me feel. I, immediately, two things I heard. I said, "Man, I am lazy. Um, no. I, need to, I, I need to do more." <laughs> if men could have children, maybe I maybe I could get you up on that. But that that's not possible. Like having kids, uh, uh, doing that, achieving what, uh, uh, and really, really, man, honestly, is just you. You sound like a person who is uh, living out who God made you to be. So that, that is really dope. Um, that is really dope. Um, and, and so sometimes I always tell people, man, um, the biggest things 
um, for living out your calling is people don't realize the hard work it takes to get there. And you seem like yeah. you're embracing the grind. Um, <laughs> no, Calvin. <laughs> no, so no. Okay. She's no, like, no. <laughs> you know what? I want to, I want to put a small little snippet in. And I've talked to some people, like people who I've talked to who are, who are early in this doctoral program. And I was like, listen, I feel like in our culture, we have this whole microwave thing. Like we see the success and we do not understand what went into it. My doctoral journey has been, a hot mess, meaning I've taken a break when my grandmother died. Then I took a break because I had the issue with the doctor. Then I took a break because I had a baby. Then we relocated across the country and my kids really needed me. So I had to take a break again. So like I have been doing this program for literally ever. Yeah. And to me, I don't, it's slow and steady. And that's where I think people, they burn the candle. You don't have to do it everything today. You know what I mean? Yep. Just like pick one thing, pick one goal for every day and just hit that one goal. And over time, you will see results. But I feel like we just look at the big picture and we get scared. We get anxious because it is a lot if you look at the whole mountain. You know what I mean? Just one rock at a time. That's but, how I've been approaching it. No, I think, but but I mean, not to go off on our top, we can hit yeah, on I know. Yeah, no, <laughs> you but, know how no. we are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But, but that's a great, excellent point, because I think sometimes um, when it comes to goals, when it comes to all these different things in life, sometimes we can have the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The landscape kind of view, this beautiful yeah. array and we see the big picture, um, but we don't realize the amount of brush strokes it took to mm-hmm. get there. And we don't. And, and, and so sometimes some people are looking like, well, how did that person get this? And this is all oh, this worked out. But we're like, man, do you understand? It was a grind. Mm-hmm. It was really a label, a labor. Mm-hmm. To, to achieve those things. And sometimes um, I always say this, uh, I learned this, my, uh, uh, I learned this probably my second year in college, I was in Cleveland state. And I was like, I was like, Oh man, I'm smart. I'm really smart. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a smart guy. I, I've tested really high on a lot of things. I, I college should be a breeze. And then I realized I'm like, Oh, I don't have a work ethic. <laughs> and, and what I realized was like, you don't have to, you don't have to be the biggest genius to get degrees. You just got to be able to work your butt off and yep. people, and people don't miss people miss that all the time yep. is that it, it is that it's the grind. It's the work ethic for mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, uh yeah so yeah so okay so and, and to bring it back right. uh, so yeah to bring it back so the the grind your, your teaching your, your daily routine is your you got kids so are you guys meeting in person or are you on zoom we are um virtually 100 virtual right now so i'm teaching first grade god help me virtually on google meet all day um we're online for a total of about five to six hours daily um, my two third graders are 100% virtual. So I'm on one side of the table that I'm watching them to make sure that they are not on YouTube watching Super Smash Brothers, that they are, in fact, in Google Media doing work. And then I have a three-year-old who's doing virtual pre-K on an iPad. Wow. So I'm teaching and yelling at my own students, my kids, as I mute myself, like, I can see. Or they, then they can still see me. So I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. That was not for you. That was for my child. It's a whole thing over here. It's wow. a whole, it's every, so we may be going back. Not sure. They just started announcing opening some things here. So there's a, supposed to be a meeting next week. We'll see what happens. I personally don't want to go back yet for personal reasons, but we'll see what happens. So like how, 
So you, so that, 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 I, I hear that from a lot of parents. Like my son is 19 months, so I'm not in that world yet. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I consider it a blessing at this point mm-hmm. um, because online school has been, from what I hear from a lot of parents, has been a nightmare. Um, some of the schools are were not prepared for this. And so it has been, it's been a real struggle. Um, yeah. and, and, and as a educator on your side, mm-hmm. the... I'm sure parents, even in a, a a physical setting, are already a headache enough. And now you have put parents in like like, oh, you're supposed to have your A game on. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and so that probably has been even more tough. Um, uh, so with all that, you got you know you're working on uh, your doctorate. You're 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 mothering three children. Uh, you just went through a a, a move. You like yeah. relocated, got your whole yeah. family out in in uh, Nevada, out in yeah. Vegas. <laughs> Vegas. Like so, in that's Vegas. a we could do a whole another conversation on yes, that. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, and so you got all this stuff going on, and then all of a sudden, twenty twenty comes, right? And mm-hmm. we're in the midst of of uh, one of the craziest presidential runs in history since like the Nixon era. Um, we're in the, we're in a resurgence of a civil rights era, uh, and, and we're probably on the brink of a civil war. So that, yeah, that is, that right. is, that is 2020. Yeah. How have you been living in this crazy world? How have you and your fat, like how is, how has social media been? Like, where is your, where is your mental health in the midst of all this? <laughs> Calvin, Calvin, Calvin. So I'm going to start with I'm going to start with George Floyd because that wasn't the first thing, but it was one of the biggest things that helped kick this off. And when the whole George Floyd thing happened, I was working on my comp exam, right? And so my comp exam is on this whole cross-racial mentoring. And I'm reading the stats about what white professors uh, think about their minority counterparts. And it is depressing because I'm a minority person. And then this whole George Floyd thing happens. And I'm doing this research every day where I'm reading article upon article upon article about disparity in pay, disparity, like discrepancy and respect. Like, and it was, I had to take a break. Mm-hmm. I just stopped writing because I said, I can't keep reading this and watching CNN. Like one of them has to go. So the way my exam works is you have three weeks, they give you 28 calendar days and they give you three questions to answer. Each question, it, the answers range between 13 and 17 pages per question. So you're writing at basically 60 pages in 28 days, right? Wow. So once I got to like pay, uh, day 21, I'm like, I wrote seven pages and something telling me that I'm probably not going to finish this because it, I just could not, my focus wasn't there with the whole George. It, it was really weighing yeah. on me heavy. And so I said, let's do this. I answered two other questions. I finished about 40 pages of it. And the sec, the third one, I just didn't turn in. Now you have to pass all three, right? But if you don't pass one of them, they give you three weeks to do a rewrite. So I purposely just didn't answer the third one at all to give mm-hmm. myself a week off to regroup. You know, and, I, and like the fact that it was affecting me professionally, because usually I'm really good about hitting my targets, but I was like, I cannot keep reading this. This mess is depressing. Like just what my topic is, that's the first way. Secondly, it affects me because I'm black. I have a black husband who happens to be a very large black man. Now you've met my husband, right? Uh, yeah, my yeah. husband is six, six and a half. He about 225. Like he is not a small man. He got these long dreadlocks, like, 
some people they may see him at night they may be like oh my god i can't you know yeah. nicest person now you know him yeah. nicest person nicest brother soul. ever yes right <laughs> but if you roll up on him you don't so that affects me because now i'm always worried about when david goes somewhere or, hey are you hungry i'm gonna run and get you some food you know what i'm gonna make a sandwich like i just don't want you outside i know you're an adult I get that it's 11 o'clock, but I just don't want to chance it because I don't want them problems. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, also, it affects me. I have a son who is black, who is hard of hearing. Mm. And I worry about him because he is the sweetest child, very compliant, but does not always hear you. And since he's nine, may or may not have those hearing aids on. So what happens? And he looks, he's also getting really tall like his dad. So what happens now when someone deems you as a threat or you tell him to do something, but you're not listening that he literally can't hear you? Like that makes me nervous. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's made me really focus more on how this whole epidemic pandemic thing like affects my family personally. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That, social, yeah. It, it's, it's, it could be scary. It's daunting. You know? No. No, that's that's um it's it's interesting. Um I had an opportunity to kind of um build with some uh people in the deaf community uh mm-hmm. recently and just really looking at how we talk about marginalized people groups and I didn't really mm-hmm. realize the struggles that is yes. in the deaf community. Yes. And you look at a, a lot of the headlines too with police brutality is some of these some of these situations are people with disabilities. Yes. And 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 the, the trigger happy policemen and doing these different things are, you know, shooting people who can't uh, even hear you. Can't hear you. Mentally uh, disabled. Something is off, and, and 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 so now you're looking at your son who is uh, uh, has a, a hearing issue, has a hearing disability, and then on top of that, he's a black man. So he yeah. is now like you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in double jeopardy in this mm-hmm. situation because now it's like. Oh, now he he gets pulled over. He's old enough. He's walking home, and all of a sudden, they think somebody thinks that he's being disrespectful, or he's right. he's not listening when he literally has a disability. And so right. that that is yeah. that is tough, and um, yeah. yeah, that is tough. My wife, uh, similarly, that whole right after um, Ahmaud Arbery, yeah, uh, uh, I jog a lot. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm jogging my neighborhood, and my wife is. You know, she, you know, Amanda, she is, she was very like worried. She was like, you know, like, Hey, you know, are, you know, what's going to happen if you, are you going to come home? If you're, she didn't want me, I went to jog late night because I still had to get my run in and she did Mm -hmm. not want me to leave at night um, to jog. Um, And I'll be honest, I I remember jogging during that time and it was the most, like, I I had some anxiety. Like I was every I made sure I stayed on all public roads where it was real lit. I like anytime I saw a police officer I or a cop car drive past or I was behind somebody's house, I literally like I was just trying to do stuff to make sure that you know that I'm not a threat. <laughs> I'm trying to look like, as nice as possible. Look, thumbs up. Hey, what's up? I'm just jogging. I was, just I, I was jogging like the Kool-Aid man. Like I was like <laughs> <laughs> smiling, like everything. Like I was like, don't see me as a threat. <laughs> like right. that whole thing. So uh no that that that's that what you just tapped on is the the i believe is like the triggering the trauma for what it means to be black in america and like you see that like every headline every single uh news line that comes through every time in the community where this happens immediately it's not something that you know never met 
someone like Amar, never met Amar Arbery a day in our lives, never met George Floyd ever, but immediately what happens to him resonates to us. Yeah. Simply like we have this bond um, because of the color of our skin yeah. um, that connects us is what it means to be black in America. And um, yeah. Like just like you, my husband also works out. He's been running, I've been running. And like there was one night after the whole Ahmad thing that he went and he was working, you know, just trying to be in shape. And there was one night it was getting late and he's like, I'm going, I think I FaceTimed him. He was like, Toya, I don't have enough air to jog and talk to you. I was like, I'm just, I'm just checking. I think I checked on him. I know I was getting on his nerves. I know he appreciated it, but I think I called him literally seven times. <laughs> and then I was like, wow. like, text me when you get here or call, just so I can make sure like after that, he just stopped going at night because it's like, why am I, he didn't want to make me feel, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I have to stay up. And so now he'll just go in the daytime. Not much, not sure that helps because Amal was also running during the daytime. However, I can't just tell my husband you can't jog anymore because he's an adult. You know what I mean? So it's just hard, especially where we live to the area where we stay right now is not that diverse. Mm. So that makes me that's what makes me more nervous. So. No, that's um no, it's though it, it's a real thing, man. It's it it's, it's one of those things where um and I try it's so crazy because I it's a practice I normally do. I, I I'm not a big fan of social media in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I, I force myself self to be on there because I I realize it's a place that um we if we really want to really see or impact the culture sometimes, we have to be on social media. It's one of those mm-hmm. like, but I feel like um I have to protect myself from the things that I see and expose myself to because I'm like, you know, um, I have to go out in this world and function and I don't want to be living my days out in trauma and fear and not, and not hiding from the realities of the world and not shielding myself, but really like, man, like I'm just protecting my, my head and my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So I will not be, and also too, man, I, there is, there are, um, white people, there are, uh, that who I love, you know what I mean? Who I ride or die with. And I, and I have to protect my heart sometimes for, cause you know, I, I may read an article and five seconds later, y'all see me, I, I'm on my, now I'm like, oh man, I didn't, I'm, now I'm feeling like Farrakhan. So I got to protect even my, my heart in the way I, um, posture myself toward um white people and white culture and so sometimes i i have to dive back man because it's, it's crazy like this stuff uh it'll really trigger some trauma man and you wonder why that um some people say stuff to me at my job and i'm like you just don't know like what did you right. i'm about to spaz on you because you don't even yeah. realize what you just said like, right i noticed what i had to stop doing calvin like i I used to be on social media. I use it as like an escape kind of from like all the work I do. Like I just want to kind of zone out, veg out, but I I don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. I had to stop being a comment reader. Mm. You will get your feelings hurt in the comments. Oh yeah. Like they're not talking about you directly, but just the things like after the Breonna Taylor incident, like some of the stuff that people were saying just about black women in general or that don't apply to me or black women that I know, or may not even apply to Brianna because you don't know her or did not know her. You and I, like your assumptions about her. Um, the things that I've read about people think about black men or the phrase black lives matter, or uh, have your, like this one, um, I was reading this teacher group that I was in and this parent posted my, my son has this black female teacher and I'm nervous with the whole black lives matter thing that he won't be graded fairly because he's white. And I just looked at like, 
but we've been sending our kids to schools for years. Like my kids have had one black teacher in their entire lives. Like, so you have one black teacher and now you're having a whole fit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but, but, I can't well, even. Oh man, you about to, that, I know. that, that alone. But like you say, you got to stay off the comments sometimes yep. because listening to that stuff, you just, it's so much, you know, man, it's, it's so much levels of ignorance in that. And yeah. And then a lot of times I, I truly believe like a lot of times, sometimes I really believe it's like social media, people who the average person, I mean, social media is just a reflection of people mm-hmm. who are in our world. And so I think a lot of times in our America, I can't speak for other countries because I'm not on social media in uh, right. in India. But the right. what I see is that one, I feel like we are often lazy studiers. Yeah. So everything to us is a meme or something we read in a headline. Like, like I found myself having to, to re-fall in love with studying because I used to read so much. And then because of our social media society, I began to fall in love with just give me, give me the short gist. And so people are, are reading. And the reason I say all that is because people will read a headline or read this little part and say, well, I know Brianna Taylor. I know right. everything that does with the situation. And mm-hmm. then you ask that person, like, well, did you read the case notes? Did you, right. di- did you deep dive enough? And they're like, no, I just read the title to this, I saw a meme that said this, and now this must be true. And so you end up saying a lot of things about a person, which is, um, I would hate to be that family. I would hate to be that in that situation. Um, because the, the, what opinions are formed, 90% of the stuff we come across, it's not, it's not true. It's It's not, it's it's not not true. Another thing I had to do was unfriend some people, Calvin. And, um, not some people, a whole lot of people, because when I'm on my news feed, I don't want to be triggered every other post. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some people I'm just like, you know what, let me just go ahead and just remove you because you are talking some ridiculous. Like if you're going to spew hate, I don't want, I just don't want your comments on my news feed. I would respect someone more for asking a question any day, even if the question was offensive and they genuinely wanted to know, as opposed to someone who just wants their opinion to be heard with no, you have no, like nothing in you wants to hear anything I have to say. Not at all. Like you're not even listening. You just want to respond. You know what I mean? So oh, if yeah. you're interested in having an open dialogue, I am more than open to that. But I'm not, but you can't do that as long as you're spewing racism to me or telling me what black people need to do and you're not black. Like you don't get to some stuff you just can't tell me because you don't you you haven't I can't go to the Italians and tell them what the what Italians need to do. I'm not even I'm not even Italian. Like how dare I think that I'm the standard? And that's what I think it is, like thinking that you're thinking you're belief is the standard of what is right yeah it's not um, the case man I'm you're a, not this who makes you the standard that is to me i feel man that that is the what you said right there is gold um i think when we when we get to a place of saying like now it's my high my my way or the highway this i am right. um it's actually pretty interesting when you look at so many other cultures, you'll see somebody says, well, this represents my culture. This represents my thinking. But you ever notice, and I'm many 
um, white Americans don't think that white culture has a culture. They, they think right. that this is just it. Like that's just how right. everyone should be. Exactly. And, so, um, and that, that those things like that are very, very telling. Um, yep. so, I, so and that's I'm, how, I'm, that's how racism happens because you think that I'm not like you, that mine is wrong. We'll get into that later in my notes, yes. but like so, that, when you use yourself as the standard, everybody's wrong. Yep. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to take a pause and then we're going to get okay. into the second half of, okay. uh, of it. So uh, we're taking a quick break and we'll get back to the discussion. But first, I want to let you know that today's episode is actually sponsored by none other than, wait for it, my wife. Um, she's donating to the cause, which is so dope. And so what we're doing is we're going to randomly select a couple of people who have subscribed and left reviews. And those two special individuals will receive a $20 Amazon Kindle gift card so they can continue to be knowledge junkies. Uh, remember, subscribe and leave a review and you will get a $20 Amazon Kindle gift card uh, to get as many books or audiobooks or whatever you want to do. Um, and you can continue this journey of knowledge junkies. So um, with that said, we're going to get back to our convo. Peace. So now we're back. Um, and, and so I think we, we've, we, we realized that um, being, this 2020 has been a mind job on all African-Americans or black people <laughs> in this country. Um, it is, it has been uh, so pretty much if, if, if the conversation of reparations ever comes up, they better include uh, therapy bills in that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, all right. So here's the the question. I think this is, uh, and we're working our way to the million dollar question. Um, so if I had to ask you um, from all, all the research, all the thoughts, things, your experience, um, how, um, if you, ha how do you define racism? Like, um, like, what would you call it? And, and, and just give me your thoughts on that. Okay. So I made a couple of notes, Calvin, because just give me a minute and get to it. Okay. So okay. this is a layered question. Of course, they're all layered, but there's racism is systemic. It's structural. It's institutional. It affects minorities as a system of oppression. So when I try to explain it to people who really have like a willingness to learn, I say, think of um, racism as literally a machine mm. that was built to be negative in a sense. Like that's, that's the whole thing. Our country, when we say our country was founded on racism, I really feel like people assume slavery only, but mm. that's what we're referring to, but that's not what we're referring to. And so in my notes, I just took a couple of notes, things I wanted to make sure I mentioned about how our racism is systemic and how that's different from like prejudice or discrimination. Okay. Right? Okay. 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 So I'm gonna give you a few examples. Um, institutional racism, in essence, like it blocks advancement for, and opportunities for minority people. Let's think of something small. We'll go on a scale of small to large, right? Let's start with hair and ethnicity isolation. Let's just start with that, right? So you looking at me, people can't see me, but I have some cornrows in right now, right? There's some hair in there. This is not my hair. But if I took these braids out, I got this fro, right? It's big. It's beautiful to me, right? This is my natural hair. It literally grows out of my hair that way. But yet I have had instances at work where people felt like I should tame my hair or it should be smooth or it should lay down. Whereas when it grows out of my head, it literally grows toward the sun. Like that's how it grows. So something as small as that can now block me from advancement. Mm -hmm. If I go into a job interview in my natural hair, 
I have had <laughs> marked difference <laughs> in the differences in jobs when my hair is straight or flat ironed versus braids or natural. Wow. As a black natural woman, same credentials, same degrees. Okay. Wow. Secondly, redlining, right? I'm no, I know you know what this is. Yeah. But for those of us who don't, this is one of the uh, facets of the systemic racism that we talk about, right? So basically, it was in the U.S., parts of Canada. Um, this The phrase, it was coined by Mr. McKnight. I did research on that because I'm smart. Yeah. Um, and basically, it just involves the practice where banks would avoid lending and investing in certain areas where Black people live, right? So we know if banks don't invest or contribute money in those areas, what happens? Everything is based off of our taxes, right? Our schools, our quality of teachers. If they're not investing, what businesses will come there? Now we have a lack of grocery stores. We have a lack of access to many things because there's no money there. So the effects of redlining, even though it, in quotations, doesn't happen anymore, the effects are still seen, right? Because there's some areas that are just... They don't have the things that they need to function where we get things like food shortages, right? So things like uh, redlining, things like the school curriculum, where the majority of the school curriculum, especially social studies and history, is from the perspective of Eurocentric culture, right? The only mentions of Blacks is slavery, MLK, civil rights, Black History Month. That's all you're getting. Our history is much more than that. So the textbooks written by white people who tell our story for us from their perspective, Right. So you have all of these things where it's ingrained into our system. It's not one action that you do. It's basically a way of being. It's how our country was founded, where whites are what what they deem acceptable is the standard. And when you were anything, when you vary from that standard in any way, it can affect you negatively. I hope that makes sense. Now, There's makes other sense. things, but I won't delve too deeply there. Now, I, mean, I can stay there for a long time. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. I think. And so the question, so I, it's so funny. I mean, I, you know, I've kind of done, I've done some, would it, it's funny because when you think about redlining, mm-hmm. um, you, that, that alone is what yes. pretty much created the middle class we have today. Yes. And so when you see the certain individuals who hold to a, a belief, they're like, well, I, I'm not a benefit of that. You know, I'm, you know, what does that have to do with me kind of thing? Mm-hmm. You know, and right. I, I, I love how, um, everything is referred to as ancient history. I've yeah. never, I've never seen the word uh, ancient or ancestors thrown around more than I have in the past year. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, how, how, how is 10 years ago ancient? Right. Like how, how is 30 years ago ancestors? Like, the, right. like people are still living from those times. Yes. Um, and all those policies and those things put in place. I mean, it, the middle class today is reaping the benefits of that. Um, yeah. And I mean, we talk about redlining. We're talking about we're talking about home ownership. Yeah, we're talking about Calvin. land. <laughs> so basically, the Federal Housing Administration, and I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure people who were listening, who maybe minority may not be, a lot of people who are black don't even know the extent that redlining affects us. In 1934, right? That's when redlining started, right? The FHA, which is the people who we get loans through, right? They subsidized builders to mass produce subdivisions only for white people. That was the one requirement. None of the homes can be sold to African-Americans. That lasted until it was outlawed in 1968 by the Civil Rights Act. So think about all that time. 
So of course, FHA has given us great loans now. You can't got to, right? Because you screwed us from 1934 to 1968. Now, like we were talking about wealth, you amass wealth from your property, right? Yeah. So that's how the effects still linger. And I was looking at this uh, statistic. It floored me. According to Federal Reserve, the worth of a typical white family is $171,000, which does not sound like that much money, right? But that's 10 times greater than the worth of a typical black family. Now, 10 times, because your the people in your family were able to buy houses where people would lend. And then they would then have grocery stores and access to things which they needed. So they're able to amass wealth. You can't amass wealth from a property with no investments tied to it, right? So in addition to that, um, when you look at that, these are the things that drive up your home value, right? So if you and Amanda were looking to buy a house for your son, right, you're going to move. The first thing you're going to look at is amenities. What kind of schools are there? Aren't you? You're going to look at, okay, is there a wreck? Is there a park? Is there a Whole Foods? Is there a Trader Joe's? Because I love Trader Joe's, right? Is it safe? All those things come from tax dollars. So if there's an area with no tax dollars, no one's going to want to live there. Those areas in turn produce cheaper properties less school funding, less qualified teachers, which will affect your graduation rate. That affects uh, college entry and completion rates. That affects job and career prospects. It affects your criminal record. Then which that affects your access to voting now, which affects the school to prison pipeline. Like all of these things are intertwined, right? It's the ripple effect from one thing to the next, which is why I say it is literally a living, breathing system designed to do evil. Okay. No, that that to me, as soon as you said the the, the uh, you talk about oh man, you I love everything you said because that that it, 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 I love when you bring, as they quote unquote say out here in the society, bring the receipts, right? You, you yeah. Have, you have the historical documents that kind of show um the effects of these things, and so um it's it's interesting. Uh, oh, man, I, w- I wish I had the hard numbers. I tried to look it up real quick, but it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to do. But I believe like the difference between. Um, assets and like wealth in like the city of Boston at this moment is like I think right. it's, I think the average uh, black family um, what they own now how much they make now how much you right. get check right. but what they own I think it's like I think it's like it's I want to say it's anywhere between like a, a couple hundred dollars and then they said yeah. um, uh, when you look at the white counterparts it's astronomical like when you see the disparity in that it's 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 something you almost feel like the figure is made up i remember when i first heard the number i was like oh this can't be real but it is real and a lot of that has to do um with the systems as you Mm -hmm. talk about that were put in place um that uh now um many middle class uh, white families are reaping the benefits today not not 20 years ago not 30 years ago they're reaping the benefits of it today um and and so no i think that's huge and so there's one more i want to discuss too calvin because i feel like too a lot of people say oh but when we talk about racism people immediately discuss money or wealth or property but i was as i was researching not just for this but just for like my dissertation and because this type of stuff is really interesting to me because i do have a lot of white associates when they ask questions i want to be able to give you a fact not what i feel not my emotions i want you Because if it's my emotions, you could be like, oh, well, that's invalid. But if I give you a cold, hard fact, this happened, this is the date, here's your stamps, as you would say, here's your receipts, you can either deal with that fact (laughs) or you can choose not to, right? So one other area where racism is ridiculous is healthcare, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So Black women die at a three-time higher rate 
than their white counterparts during or after childbirth. Why? Right. There are so many myths about black women and how their bodies are made or they don't feel pain as much. There have been um, surveys given to doctors recently in the last 10 years who still hold these views. Mm. So when black women say they're in pain, they're often ignored or they're uh, being what's the word? Uh, They're being extra. You know what I mean? They don't give us. I have some terrible birthing stories, I can tell you. Like mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, Alaskan natives are the most affected. If the woman's over 30, it increases. Minority women are four to five times more likely to die over the age of 30 in childbirth than their white counterparts due to a difference in access to health care and how they are treated. Wow. Unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, we we've even seen we've even seen those uh the effects of that in the COVID. Uh yeah. um, how yes. many um black uh communities and uh neighborhoods are impacted. Um, way heavier because of COVID-19. Yep. And so um, simply because of our lack of access to decent health care yep. um, and so many different things that play a part in that. And so, all right. So I, what I want to is that, so I, you know, I, for these conversations, I want to, I love how you frame that, but I, I want to, for, I, I want to play devil's advocate. And I don't even like, I don't even like using that devil's advocate. I, I want to play the other side of it, I guess. And so, I want to read, uh, this is from like a, a Harvard, uh, 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 their newsletter, like their newsletter, their student newsletter, they put out a thing right. and, and it was written by a young Asian uh, woman who, who said that, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't agree that racism is, she, she, she has some agreements with it, but she thinks it's problematic to define racism in that. She she basically says um, that racism is individual and not institutional. And so she's bringing it back to that. That's her position of argument. And so I know you sure I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it on social media. So you've seen it on the uh, on when you go out there, people will say, well, well, OK, that. I've experienced racism. Like I've, I've seen um, white people um, say, well, I received, I've experienced racism when I was a kid. And so what you're speaking about is the, the system of racism. And then some, and I think, and so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna read Merriam's dictionary is a uh, definition of racism. And so, um, and, and see, and see, if we can kind of hone in on, what you just explained, prejudice and all this different stuff. So according to Merriam Dictionary, and I want to tag this and you can note, people can notice and note this is that Merriam Dictionary at this time is currently revising its definition of mm-hmm. racism, it's, yeah. and, which I think is actually pretty dope. Um, yeah. But it, this is what they say. Uh, racism is a belief that a race is a fundamental uh, uh, uh dominant uh, of human traits or determinant of human traits um, and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. And so that's their working or classical definition of racism. And so what do you say to a person who says, well, I've experienced racism too, but I'm not a person of color. I'm not a part of the minority culture, but I've experienced racism. Like, right. how, what, what is your thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> My first thought is due to racism being a system that was literally, defi- it was created to affect a specific group of people. It affects the people that it was created to affect. 
It mm. wasn't created to affect you. Right. So when we had the whole thing with the FHA and the houses, that didn't affect you. That's mm. racism. When we have this disparity in healthcare and access and how African-American women are treated differently, that cannot affect you. Right. When we even if even if you don't go to college, you don't get your degree, you still have not had to deal with the, the staunch differences in your access to schooling based on your color alone. Right. Mm. So I'm not saying if you're white that you may not have gone to a crappy school, but it's not because you're white that you're at the crappy school. Right. Or if you got arrested by the police, you might have been doing drugs, but you being white did not play any factor at all into you doing that. So mm. you may have experienced some prejudice, some pre- yeah. being pre- like someone has prejudiced beliefs, which is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. It means to literally judge. That is a built-in connotation there that you do not know the person well enough to make the judgment, but yet you're choosing to based on their external factors. So you may have experienced that, or you may have been discriminated against, meaning it means to make a distinction or a difference in a treatment or favor based on anything other than your individual merit. So let's say you're a white person, right? You grew up in a black neighborhood and they are beating the brakes off you, right? Because you are you white boy, you in our neighborhood, they are discriminating against you. They are making a distinction to make a difference in how they treat you based on something other than your individual merit. But that is not racism mm. because racism is the system that is in place. Yes. And that's wow. where the difference happens. Okay. I love, I love how you uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, just gave a distinction between the two. Cause I think that that is important for people to understand. I remember I always shared a story um with a uh about when we had conversations about racism and prejudice and all this different stuff i remember working with a young lady um we're both working at the same job and she tells me she says you know when i she says calvin when i go to you know this side of town or that side of town you know i i get i get dirty looks from some of the black girls like why are you here and she was like i've gotten those things and you know i've experienced racism and she was like you know um and i said and i always my response to her and this was funny i was a really young man i hadn't studied any of this stuff this was just like my knee jerk out of the cuff response but what i said to her was i said here's the two things i see as a big difference for what you're saying i said the big difference is is one i said you have an option if you can go to that side of town i said you have an option. I said, um, I said, if I want to survive in this country, I don't have an option to just stay amongst right. my own community and my own people. Yeah. Um, and then I said, the second thing, um, at the time I said, do you realize that, and this was the t- numbers based on this time, which was about 15 years ago. I said, do you realize that, uh, whites, make up about 74% of America. And I said, and Blacks make up about 11%. I like, do you realize that? And I I said, so I said, what you experience um, in that moment is this one-time occurrence that you feel, you know, jaded you. But when you look at the landscape of government, when you look at the landscape of the workforce, and not just the workforce. Let's talk about the managing workforce, the people yeah. who actually make decisions. When you look at the 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 bulk of ownership, yeah, it it, it is predominant. It is overwhelmingly white. white, and so these specifically are specifically white men, specifically white men. And so yeah. now 
these are the people who are making decisions um, or quote unquote gatekeepers in our society. And yeah. so when I go somewhere, I said, this affects my livelihood. This right. affects me getting a job. This affects the way yeah. I'm policed in my neighborhood. This affects the way, um, going back to the story about education, um, I had I had a, 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 a family member who went on to be a lawyer and he said um, he almost quit law school a few times simply because of the racism he experienced from his professors. Um, yeah. And so the... Though it affects so many things, so to compare the two, um, I believe is 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 done out of a sense of, and, and when I say this, I, I want people to hear. I'm not saying this in a very like just trying to like click go after somebody's juggler, but I think it's said from a place of ignorance. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, it's done from a place of not knowing the information, not knowing the experience, and not really understanding what it means to be a minority and not only a minority, but a minority who has had a system designed for oppression to keep um, them in a very servitude position. And honestly, Calvin, that ignorance is privilege Mm. because unfortunately, and I was, my daughter's getting older now and like we have some really deep conversations for an eight-year-old, but she noticed that at her school last year, I think, it, she was she's a black girl and I think there was one other and we had a whole talk she had so many questions like mom I see all my teachers there's no black teachers at my school there's no and I have to explain to her there's honey we are you I have had some white um some whites what's the word um I'll just say friends for now who had who come places with me where they've been the only white person oh. extremely uncomfortable for them yeah. I said now imagine this is your life though. Everywhere. Because when I leave outside my house, when I went, I, my husband and I went to college together. When we went to grad school, we went to grad school together. And a lot, and we took classes together on purpose so we could study together. And most of those classes, we were the only black people mm. the whole time. Wow. When I started undergrad, there were a bunch of other teachers with me. And when I graduated, I'm going to say there was less than 15 that were black that were left. Wow. You, you see what I mean? Because yeah. And a lot of this, it doesn't mean that we're not smart because of course we are, but a lot of it depends on the education that you receive. Some people honestly were just not ready for that level of education yet. And there's like, what can you do? I mean, the wanting is there, right? Like you can have all the grit, even the work ethic, but if you don't know, that's a lot of catch up to play right now. Oh no, It's a lot. You know, when you come to college, they, they, they're not going to baby step you. They are starting. You know what I mean? And my first quarter was, I failed the first, I had a 0.6, man. Like, and I am smart. <laughs> like, um, I can be lazy, but like, it had nothing to do with, I, like, it had nothing to do with schoolwork. The reason I had a 0.6, nothing have, at all. Man, I remember stories of kids from my school who were, like valedictorians, like yes. kids yes. who were like that, that kid who just did every single extra work. And they had yes. like, you, you supposed to get a highest you can get is a 4.0 and somehow they managed a 4.2. Right. That yes. And then yes. they went to college and, and they fail they out f- immediately. Immediately. Um, I see it a lot. I see, I saw, I see it a lot. I've seen it a lot. And, and it has a lot to do with the level of education where you yes. see uh, uh, African-American who is the top of their class, top of their field, 
But because going back to the conversations about communities, tax dollar, education, it all plays with each other. They're not receiving the same education as uh, X, Y, Z in another town. Um, And so now they're and they're getting the right. They're getting the not right, but they're getting this type of information. Right. And And then the colleges are still on that same playing field. So it's like they come into college like, oh. I, I point two, right? Yeah, I, I, but, but they come into it like a, a white individual comes into college and says, "Oh, I'm familiar with this. This is what we my, this was what we were doing in tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and now you're seeing kids coming out of African American, um, black schools, African American school um, communities, and then next thing you know, they're coming out of these schools, and now they're like, I've, I've never taken a class on this." I don't, this is the first time I'm being, I remember the first time sitting in business math and my mind was blown and I'm like, and and look, people, I placed fourth in the state for mathematics in a, in a business uh, competition. Like this is where I'm coming from. I went to college and I was lost (laughs) because, um, simply because of the things I was exposed to, Mm -hmm. um, um, growing up in predominantly black schools and black communities. So on top of that too, Calvin, like a lot of it too, when it's not academic, there's a few other things. A lot for me was the social difference. So there is a whole social norm and white culture that we are not privy to, right? There's just some things. And the the more I get into higher education, the more I'm saying this, like there's some stuff they just know to do, know to say, know where I have to be like, okay, now I don't know how to find, who is in charge of like how, or how to word certain things to not be taken offensively or how, so I have, or some students honestly dropped out because of loneliness and isolation. If you walk into a room and you are from Cleveland, your high school, everybody black, you got three white kids, but everybody black, then you walk into a classroom and you're the only one and they say, partner up, this is not for me. Like it is a very lonely feeling, right? Mm. And I told my husband, we were talking, I said, honestly, the reason I believe I graduated is because I did a sport. And I really believe that. Not because I didn't do my work, but because I ran track where I, there were other black sprinters, black girls. So wow. even when I went to class and I'm alone, when I leave here, I get to go to the track and I got 10 of the black girls who was just in class by themselves too. But when we come here, we ain't got a cold switch. I can take this wig off. Mm-hmm. I can put on what I want to wear. I can do the slang I want to wear. I can relax. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. and we honestly, we just carried each other through those four years. Wow. Wow. When you no. need to vent, you got a built in vent and we hear and we getting some money. A lot of people leave because of money issues, right? Oh, yeah. They leave because we have so many first gen. I'm a first generation college graduate. And so is my sister. It's wow. 2020. Right. Yeah. So when I go to my mom and dad, hey, I got a question about financial aid or how do I find something to help? They can't help. My sister helped me fill out all my paperwork because she's the first one that did it. She's like, let me help you because you got to get out of here. Like my parents, they are not negligent. They just don't know how to do that. There was no one to ask. Um, you know what I mean? No, it's you very, know. It's, 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 a, it's a different world. And I, I feel like the more... The reason that racism continues to grow and fester is because of isolation. It's hard, it's easy to judge a group of people you don't know that you watch on TV. Yeah. You don't know Breonna Taylor. You don't know George Floyd. You don't know. You don't know any of these people. So you can sit back and judge them. But when you have people in your family that's like they look like them 
or your best friend looks like them or your husband looks like you start to think a little bit more. But as long as we can sit in these comfortable bubbles and that and it doesn't affect me and I can just spew out these little comments of what I think because I feel like I'm the standard. Then that's how it continues. No, you it's, gotta um, step outside your bubble, you know. One of my favorite quotes from like uh, uh one of my favorite uh, recent authors is um uh, Doctor or newly Doctor uh, Brian Loritz. He says he mm-hmm. had a quote a couple years ago. Um, he said that proximity uh, yeah. breeds empathy. Yep. Uh, distance breeds suspicion. And yep. so often, um, I believe one of the, the things that feeds racism in our culture and this system is the isolation. I think yep. you hit it dead on point because um, you once you begin to to rub elbows, to live life with people yep. who don't look like you, think like you, or vote like you, then yep. you start seeing the world from a different lens and you start moving different. Yeah. You start saying, hey... Now I'm in a seat of power and authority. I will hire someone else. I will. Um, I will. Oh, wow. I didn't. All those preconceived stereotypes that mm-hmm. I saw from watching some sitcom on the TV. Wire. Watching I've been the, watching The Wire. I know all about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been watching The Wire. Or, um, and, and, and so and, and this is that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, it is. even. Yeah. Sometimes when we talk about we, we bridge this back to the kingdom of God, right? We talk about Christianity, yeah. right? A lot of times, um, white Christians, most of their experience with minorities or blacks is one from a we're coming down to help to you. help you. And yeah. so th- they spend a lot of time with um, people who are um, ex felons, people who are this is this is so now. They think that now they have an understanding of black culture because they That's spend it, yeah. their time with this certain select. So when they come across a a, a, a black person who is educated, a black person yeah. who is not looking for help or assistance, help one, and right. one who is looking at you eye to eye, it throws them off. It yeah. it, it, it becomes yeah. jarring, and it's like, oh, 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 hold up, he's he knows that oh it's a, it, it it becomes jarring and that becomes a whole different dynamic in itself yeah. um, you know what calvin <laughs> i had this um really crazy situation and it's small but it was very telling for me so i have an acquaintance and i'm like i'm going to come and visit i'll be over and so if you know me you know i jam out in the car right like i'm a music head i'm always like if you don't want a concert and you want me to sing don't ride in my car so i pull up she's like oh my god you're jamming what's that i was like man i love freddie mercury that was queen her face was like, she was like, like Queen, like the band. I was like, I love Queen. She was like, that's not what I was expecting. I oh, said, wow. what were you expecting? And then her face just kind of went. And I was like, what were you expecting? Like, why and, is that a shock to you? You exactly. see what I mean? No, yeah. Like, now don't get, don't get it twisted. I mess with my gangster rap, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't just like that, right? Yeah, yeah, you see what yeah. I'm saying? No. Like, I'm a classical pianist. Yes. Right. So yeah. sometimes sit down and play something. It's Bach. Like, that's what I like. Like, exactly. don't try to put me in your box. And then once she's gotten to know me, she's like, you're nothing like I thought you would be. Mm. I said, I don't know if I should be offended or not. <laughs> she said, but she, she said, you're not anything like the stuff you like or where you like to go. It's just, it's just, she said, we are very much alike. It, and that's why I feel like stuff like redlining was created. Once we see that, what are we fighting for? Right. And, and, and so, no, you 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 pulled off something that's dope. Um, the thing that's important to remember is though you are you are awesome, you're amazing, you're Toya, 
you are not unique in the fact that you are eclectic in your sound. But, right. but, but because of so many stereotypes, because of the lack of interaction with people of color, you think that now you listen to Queen. Like people don't realize how much I love. Uh, uh, I have don't tell nobody. Well, it's on a podcast, so it's gonna get come out. <laughs> but I have this. Like I grew up in the two thousands, so I have this kind of in my playlist. You are gonna find some sneaky uh, boy band pop songs. Oh that yeah, I got the nineties pop. Oh, I got the nineties pop station. Let's go. And, and yes. I rock with it. I rock with some of them. I rock with a lot of these Incubus bands and some of yes. these tracks. I rock with Dry. some of that stuff. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So. But it's so crazy that, like you say, because you you begin to put in stereotypes. So it's like now, only thing I'm allowed to listen to is rap and R and B. And it's like, well, no, I love those things. That was I, I embrace them. But you're gonna you're gonna catch some Mozart um, rocking yeah. in my my playlist. You're gonna catch a lot of things that, and, yeah. it, and it shouldn't be seen as an outlier because of right. that. Um, and okay. so no, that 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 is huge. Um, yeah. Keeping in it. So we're, we're in this this we, we I think you did a great job of kind of explaining racism, the difference, differences of prejudice and things of that sort. So do you have a time uh, of where you have actually experienced something blatantly uh, um, racist, like some, some prejudice or something? Can you share that story? And like, and yeah. Like there's, I have small things. I have like one of the smaller things. And like, there's some things I feel like, and you can probably relate to this, that black people do as built-in defense mechanisms. Like, for example, I was at Walmart the other day buying something. We just moved for the house, like small things, lamps and stuff like that. And I was doing a self-checkout, but the receipt thing ran out of paper. She's like, you can just go. I was like, no, because y'all gonna try to say I stole this. Like you are. I know where I am right now. I don't care where I am. I will wait 30 minutes for a receipt. Not because I'm bringing it back, but because I don't, if the police come over here and I'm like, oh, I don't have the receipt, but I'm carrying a bag full of lamps. I can't, like, we don't have bail money. Like, yeah. you're not going to listen to me. And there's no one around who checked me out to say I didn't steal this. I waited so long for her to change that receipt paper because I was literally, she's like, you can just go, it's fine. I was like, nah, fam, I can wait. My husband watching the kids, We, I wait. It's going to be a minute. I'm bit, I wait, lady. Like, and I stood there literally for 20 minutes. And waited for her to change that receipt paper. <laughs> self checkout, man. You just self checkout be having me nervous. Like if they don't have paranoid, man. Paranoid. Every time I man, I walk out of a store and I hear the alarms go off, and I'm like, man, please don't. Where my don't receipt them, at? Yes. Don't let them come put, run and tackle me immediately, yes. thinking that I'm yes. the person who took something or something like that. Yes. Like. I, I always am making sure I got a receipt. That's crazy. No, that's. And that's I real. didn't even realize that that was a defense thing until I've been hanging out my punch. She's like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, for you, <laughs> like, we get receipts. Like, I need a receipt for everything. If it's gum, I want a receipt. Like, I'm serious. And things as big as, like, even what I'm going through now with school, it was a lot for me to get my dissertation topic passed. Not because it's not valid, but because in my research, I have research that shows that most white male professors do not prefer to work with black women because of perceived um, problems like black lady attitude. Um, what was it? Sarcasm being just being loud, being abrasive, lacking class. That's what they're like. So they choose, they would prefer not to mentor us. We have nothing in common to discuss. Do you know any black women though? Because at most of the places where I've been, I don't know too many. I mean, there are some full-time of course, black professors who are women, but it's not a lot of us. So wow. how many run-ins, like what, what have you experienced that made you think that? Have you ever mentored one? Well, no. 
Well, have you ever worked with one? Well, no. Well, why, where are you getting that from, sir? Like, eventually, of course, but it was helped to get passed by another minority staff member. This is valid research. And if she wants to, if my research is looking to show ways to set up cross-racial mentoring so that we can figure out how to make this work, because even if we don't like it, we have to. Yeah. Like any job you get, you're going to need a mentor. And right now, most professors are white males who are older. I'm a 36-year-old Black lady. I we gonna have to figure this out, sir. <laughs> nah, <laughs> like when you when you when you get done finishing your research, I'm a I'm gonna need some I'm gonna need to read it because we're having those those conversations even in in church ch- church and how yeah. being a part of a, a multi ethnic denomination, mm-hmm. yeah. we we've even experienced the issues of we don't see cross ethnic mentoring from yeah. minorities to. Yeah, uh, white men, and but, yeah. we, but we're often, but we also see we'll see a lot of pairing of young minorities with older white men. Older, yeah. And what it see, what, what it what it appears, and what I generally the connotation I I take from it, like, is that you're basically saying that you feel comfortable with white men mentoring young black right. men, but you right. do not feel comfortable. Okay. Yep with black yeah. men mentoring these young white men coming into our denomination. Right. Um, and, and those, so those things, it's a real thing. Um, that's a, that's a whole nother baked in thing. Yep. Um, uh, so we've gotten to this place of defining it, um, uh, understanding the difference between prejudice and just the power structure and all that, that yeah. plays into it. Yeah. Um, and so the million dollar question, I think we've answered that um, pretty efficiently. Can minorities or people of color be racist in America? Not racist, but definitely prejudice. Okay. And okay. I, with racism, the big ticket here is power, right? So in order for these systems to be initially put into place, required a certain amount of power. And because white people are the majority, like you, like the judges, the lawyers, the managers, that you're you are everybody. So you can make these laws to do these things. We're eleven percent. We don't even have the manpower. We don't have the economic power because of things that have been into place. So, like the perfect example I gave my friend was, I said, okay, let's say right now I hate your guts. So what? <laughs> Literally, so what? I said. It does not, it will not affect you once you leave my presence. But if a white person don't like me, I don't have a job now. I can't get Mm. this house now. Like it's a power thing. You don't like all of your bosses at your job aren't black. You don't have to deal with this outside of your comfort zone. If I make you mad, you can go back to your side of town. Where am I supposed to go? There is nowhere where I am. Like there is nowhere. Yeah. You see what I mean? I can't, like I said, if you can, like the one, this one girl said, I wish we could just stop talking about this. If you stop talking, it goes away for you because you don't have to live it. That's the difference. You know what I mean? So, and I do feel like there are some black people who are prejudiced, but there's prejudiced people in every race. Yeah. There are, but yeah. racism, no, unfortunate. Sorry. <laughs> no. No, mm-hmm. no, you know, you're right. Like there, there, there's prejudice. There's everywhere we see yeah. there's prejudice in every corner we see. Um, but, but like you said, I think, I think that's huge, man. I've been, um, at certain jobs and employment, and like you say, just like you're the only minority there. Yeah. And then you wonder because here's the, the part that I always get. Like I, I've, I've been at places where I got a word put in for me mm-hmm. by 
by mm-hmm. a white person. And yeah. so now I come in the door and I notice I'm like, man, I know a ton of people of color who apply her who can never get in the door. Calvin, you just read my mind. Yes. And, and, it, and yes. it's a place where they're desperately in need of help. Yes. And they'll say, man, we're struggling. We really need uh, uh, workers. And I'm like, man, I know a ton of people of color, a ton of black people who right. are here, but why is there 99%? And so, like you said, without a power structure, the, and guess what? The head of HR, everyone in HR was white. And yeah. so of majority's company. So they're, so they're inherently saying, well, I see this now. Nah. And for whatever reason, if people are honest, if we have some real, I've been having the beauty of this uh, for the past seven months, I've been having um, white Americans be extremely honest about what is said in a room when Mm -hmm. people of color are not around. And they have been telling me like this stuff is impacting everything. Like Mm -hmm. what is said when um, we're not in a room? The, the 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 decisions of jobs, all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, this person may not blatantly say, I hate Black people on a public banner or go get a tattoo. Right. But when they get an application across their desk, they say, oh, that person, they, he, that person is going to be late a lot. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really want that drama. They're, they're going to be lazy. So I, I, I'll choose this young kid. Um, and and I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. Um, who's less yeah. qualified? Who doesn't have experience? Um, yeah. And we'll do it just simply because we made a a, a prejudiced, racist decision um, yeah. based on the color of their skin. And you know what's yeah. yeah. You know what's nuts? Like, and this I probably shouldn't admit this because I know somebody gonna hear this, but it's true. So when I first got my master's degree and I'm working on this, I I applied for a ton of jobs, Calvin, and I know. I speak well, I do well in interviews. I think I'm pleasant to be around, right? No one was calling me back. I changed my name on my resume to my middle name. I have three jobs. And when they call my phone, I know it's for a job because no one calls me Marie, mm. right? Unless it's a job. Yep. When I put Toya on there, Nobody calls me. Same bachelor's degree, same master's degree, same PhD. I'm certified to teach in two states in three areas. No one will call, right? Wow. Not for a leadership role. Yeah. As soon as I put Marie on there, ring, 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 ring. It's crazy. It's the facts, man. I It's so crazy is I actually, for every job I apply to, um, mm-hmm. if they ask me ethnicity, I always put uh, yeah i always other. put no i don't other. even answer yep. i don't answer why? i put other because i always if it doesn't matter like why are you asking me exactly i always put something different because yep. i'm like this is not going to work toward my benefit uh and the thing for me is calvin the name calvin alone is kind of people don't know where to come from with that so right so yeah. I, so when i put that out there i get a lot and i always get um you know i, I still know how to put my uh my very high, hi, how you doing type stuff. Yeah, when they yeah. the whole nine. Mm-hmm. And then I always get it when I come to the interview. They're like, oh, we love them. Then I come in the interview. They're like, oh, snap. Oh, exactly. You a big black my man phone voice, <laughs> right, my, my phone voice doesn't always match what you see when you get me like, okay, but like I'm here now. Yeah. But like I know if I can, like I know I interview well, right? I just need you to, to talk to me. Yep. Like if you can, if you get off put by, and like, I actually had someone tell me, I am so glad we hired you. 
Wow. And I wanted to say, I've been applying to you for three years, but I just changed my name three weeks ago when you called me. It's the same wow. person you didn't hire for three years. Yep. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Like yep. I was the same hard worker, same knowledgeable teacher trainer that you're giving me all these great scores for now, but you would not call me when my name was Toya. Yep. It's crazy. And then, oh, your first name's not, my, no, my first name is Toya, but clearly you could just call me Marie while we're here since that's what you feel more comfortable. Like we have to change ourselves to make you comfortable. When mm-hmm. do white people have to change? They never have to say, my name is Molly, but call me Shatana. Like they don't do that, right? Yeah. You yeah. could just be Molly. Yeah. <laughs> like the small yeah. things we have to do. Yeah, man, that that's 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 huge, and it's it, I mean it that that shows um, the power structure. It shows the where, um, and some people some people think, well, you know, everyone like everyone thinks that you should have. Some people have the school of thinking that you should have to assimilate. Like, oh man, that's just assimilation. Yeah. You got to assimilate, no. kind of thing. And here's the. The problem I have with people who say, you know, assimilation is fine or we should go in the direction of assimilation, like everyone, they'd be like, oh, well, every culture has to assimilate. Here's the issue I have with that. The issue I have with that is then I feel like we are sold a bill of goods on what the foundation of this country is, is bullcrap because it is supposed to be this melting pot. Mm-hmm. of people and what we what we've realized is that the melting pot that they express was meaning that long as you are our variation of white right um yeah. if you're russian that's cool if you and this is the funny thing we even talk about jewish right and we talk about that there's a difference in how european jews are treated yeah then the Middle Eastern Jews are treated. There, there's a right. difference, like yeah. because why? Simply because of the skin complexion, um, and so even that, when we look at those things, um, it, we see that we sold this bill of goods that it should be equal, and then all of a sudden we're saying, well, assimilate so much so that you got people, you got celebrities out here bleaching their skin. Like you see the craziness that there is is where you have people, um trying to do all they can mm-hmm. to quote unquote fit in so they right. won't be a threat. And so they can quote unquote have success. Right. But then you still see the same uh, uh, hate and you still see the same yeah. uh, um, derogatory or trying to hold back. And, and, um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, we can go all, all day on this, but it's absolutely, I mean, the even, crazy thing, yeah. I just, it's it's nuts what you just said because when we say assimilate or we say we want diversity, right? But we don't, right? Because true diversity does not mean we all look different. It means we all look different and we have an equal voice and say, right? Mm-hmm. So you want my diverse face. You don't want my diverse voice. You want to see me to make you look diverse. Oh, we have black people there. They're over there. But you want me to be quiet though. You want me to be black so you can use me, but you don't want me to have my, my Afro out. And my 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 Africa forever earrings on, right? Yep. You want us to be quiet. You want your you want the version of black that you want me to be, not yep. the one that I am. That's the problem. And, and, and that even goes goes back. And then when you don't fit into their stereotype, it immediately yeah. says, "Oh, well, why are you this way? Or what's wrong with you?" Mm-hmm. And it becomes a whole another conversation, which is absolutely. So I'm gonna throw this question out as we get toward the end. Um, yeah. What so? All right, let's pretend 
Um, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a white male. I'm I'm a white guy. I'm in my 30s, and I'm looking at this world, and I'm 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 in the middle. I don't understand all this stuff. I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to get it, but um, you know, when I was in when I was in middle school, right? I got I got I went to a school, and, and it was it was a lot of black kids there. And I got, I got, I got picked on by Tyrone and he, and he, and he, Tyrone, Tyrone hit me and Tyrone called me a punk white boy and Tyrone did X, Y, Z. How can you belittle my experience? Like how, like, what is your words for me? Because listen, you know, I've seen hate and hate is just hate. And they say that, but, but, but what is the difference? Like, what is the difference Mm -hmm. truly between my experience as a white male who got bullied or had an encounter um, in middle school or at some point in my life, even maybe last week, than than someone who is a a, a, a black person um, mm-hmm. in America. What would right. you say? What would you say to that person? The first the first thing is the term belittling. I I will never belittle anybody's experience. If someone indeed got beat, I empathize with you. And I'm sorry that happened to you. I think the first thing that we need to get back to is just basic humanness, right? Yeah. Like, so I would say, and I'm sorry that happened to you. And I believe it. I've seen that happen before. Like I've grown up in a black neighborhood. We had a few white people, man, <laughs> just being yeah. honest. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. But I would not belittle that experience because that probably was traumatizing. Right. But just like I'm showing you empathy, show us the same. Mm-hmm. And that's where the issue after those come in. When If you ask me, okay, you guys, what's your issue? If I bring up slavery, if I bring up redlining, if I bring up this healthcare disparity, if I bring up the education, it was a long time ago, get over it. That's the difference, wow. right? Yeah. So yeah. give me what you would like. Yes. Give me what you would like if you expressed your heart to me. And I feel like once we start to, or at least try, I would at least hear your experience. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Yeah. Well, how does that affect you now? Because yeah. I'm sure it does if you got beat up by black people every day, right? Yeah. So if you had a certain negative connotation towards black people right now, I could understand that because they whooped your butt. And I yeah. empathize. Sorry that happened to you. But understand mine then, right? Yeah. yeah. That's it. No, it's um, I think you uh, we'll get ready to close on this is that what you what you tell what you hit on is the humanity piece. Yeah. And we talk about this from a Judeo Christian standpoint. Right. We were both believers, followers of the Lord. Um, And I think what is sad in a lot of these discussions is that the people who should understand humanity best are people who are beholders of the word of God. And we talk about everybody being created in God's image. And we talk about, we should understand the value of everyone. And the fact that we look at people as stereotypes, we look at people as these figures and we lack Mm -hmm. empathy and we lack to see the humanity. And now we reduce people down to a post, a tweet, a headline or a character in a movie. Um, It's sad. Um, uh, I think if we, if we want to really understand humanity, we, we, we all could do a great deal uh, of benefit to start studying. Yeah. I feel like any, any, any life loss is a travesty. Right. And I was having a conversation with another white counterpart. Well, they this and they that. I said, I want you to think about a point in your life. Right. Before you met God or your dark place, because everybody has something. Right. Think about if you would have died right then. Right. Or Uh, think about if somebody kills you now. 
and all they can dig up is what you did when you were 22. Like I'm a 36 year old professional, right? But if you went back to 21 year old Toya, I look like a hot trashy mess of like garbage truck juice. Like it was terrible, (laughs) right? Yeah. What if, what if, so Calvin, you know me, right? And you'd be saying, that's not her at all. Like I know her, that's her, that she did those things or she, that happened, but that's not who she's somebody's wife. That's somebody's mama. That's somebody's teacher. That's somebody, that's what we're not getting out of just because you commit a crime. You don't deserve to die. Even if you hate somebody, you don't deserve to die. If you were racist, you don't deserve to die. If you're left wing, if you're white wing, if you're Republican, if you're, yeah. you still don't need to die. And that's why I feel like we don't, we're missing it. Well, they this will, oh, well, it's never, if you are truly a believer, it shouldn't be, well, they were guilty. So what? Yeah. That's still a life, right? Yeah. Like I told somebody, I said, said the police's job is to arrest people and let, if we believe in the justice system, that's a whole different story as well, then they should be tried, right? You don't get to be the jury and executioner on the street. So that part, that's still wrong, right? Because it's still a life. You don't know. Because you always say, we need all the facts. Well, we didn't get them because they did, right? So yeah. we'll never know, right? We'll never know. So, right. A life is a life regardless of what they do. If we are, if we are really as pro-life as we say, right? Yeah, exactly. So if you're pro-life, then be pro-life. Be pro-life. Everybody's nice. life. Amen. Um, yeah. No, so... Um, we are at the end. Um, I'm gonna be honest. This is our first episode of Knowledge Junkies, right? And uh, I just want to thank you. You knocked oh, this one yeah, out the man. park. Uh, you, I love our dialogue. I love what you brought to the table. Um, uh, you would definitely be back again. We want to talk oh, into thanks, some more, Kevin. some education, some other stuff. Oh, yeah. We can kind of go into some, some more uh, nuances of our country, our history, and everything. Um, and so I'll end the podcast this is knowledge junkies this is the, the the thought process of this is to have people have dialogues to have them say hmm i need to go study that more i need to go i need to go deep dive there is something that i did not know about this right. world and about the human experience and about culture and about religion and about everything so um without end and this is the last question what book or books have you read Mm-hmm. Um, in recent times that has impacted you or left a real impression? Like, what is that? Yeah. I always am reading and have a list in addition to all these many articles that I'm trying to finish, right? So currently, of course, stamped. Reading mm-hmm. that um, there are some people I know who are studying this in a book club and I can never make the meetings because I'm ridiculously busy, but I am I'm reading that. And then I have some three books that are on my list that I want to read that I've heard really good reviews from. One of them is The Impact of Slavery in America. And um, that's by Duchess Harris and Gail Radley. Uh, the second one is Black Fatigue, How Racism Erodes the Mind, Body and Spirit. And I feel like this, I've heard that this one uh, really speaks to the mental health piece and can help offer some guidance there. The third one is called Gray Boy, Finding Blackness in a White World by Cole Brown. So those three um, are on my to read list and then stamped is on my current reading list. Okay. 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 Um, uh, I'll try in the description, um, mm-hmm. on the social media, I will try to link a lot of those books and give you some Amazon links so people can buy them. Um, once again, this is Toya Washington. Uh, my friend, <laughs> um, we, we, we have built a great friendship over time. Love her to We're death. Old, Calvin. Yeah, I know. And, um, <laughs> love her husband. Um, and just, uh, miss him. 
Uh, can't wait till they get back to the Ohio. It's gonna happen. Uh, so uh, everybody keeps saying that. <laughs> uh, get back to the land. Um, maybe oh we, my goodness. Never know. We may end back up there sometime around the same. You never know. Hey, but hey. Uh, but yeah. Um, this is Knowledge Junkies, and we're out. Thank you. Peace. <laughs>